Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olawumi Brigway. I'm a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, the premier personal development platform equipping and empowering women to create their best life from the inside out. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, my goal is to help you disengage from limiting and faulty belief systems so that you can think differently, believe differently, and live differently. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. This is Alaomi Brigway and welcome to episode 169 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. Thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure for me to bring you these episodes. And of course, it's a pleasure for me to know that there's someone on the other side, either listening or watching, (laughs) whatever I have to say. It's always a pleasure for me to bring you these episodes. And of course, it's a pleasure for me to know that it is impacting lives. Thank you for the messages that you send me. Thank you for the emails, the DMs. I'm really grateful and I appreciate you for being a part of the podcast. Today, I want to talk about something that is really important to me. I mean, (laughs) okay, yes, I know I say that all the time, but actually that is what the podcast is about. I tend to talk about things that matter to me, things that I know have helped me tremendously on this journey, in this walk called life. And so anytime I bring an episode, it's because it's something that has touched me in one way or the other. And when I present it to you, the hope is that it will bring some measure of help to you. So yes, I do talk about things that matter to me. And this one is very important because if you're a regular on this podcast, you will know that I talk about this a lot. I'm someone that is actually quite driven. I would describe myself as a visionary. So meaning I tend to cast my vision forward a lot. It's difficult for me. Actually, let me not say that. I have to train myself and remind myself to live in the moment and to enjoy the moment as opposed to just always looking forward to what is coming in the future and what I'm working towards and looking forward to the destination or the outcome because you will understand that there's a huge process that is attached to that outcome. Outcomes don't just happen. Outcomes are as a result of time spent on the process. So it's something that I actively work on. It's something that I caught wind of, thank God, by the help of the Holy Spirit years ago. And because I understand I have that natural tendency, I'm always looking for ways to help myself stay grounded, stay committed to the little things, the process that will take me to this huge destination that I am seeing. So I've said all that to say this, that because I'm that kind of person and I 
tend to always want to get things to happen very quickly. <laughs> All right, get things to happen quickly. That means that I set the bar really high. I set the bar quite high for myself and I don't always immediately do a grounded analysis of what my strength is. <laughs> This was years ago, by the way, I've moved on quite a lot from there. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today, strategies, right? But in the past, you know, I would set this really huge, but let me give a practical example of what I'm saying. So I could say, for example, okay, I want to run the marathon and because I'm like marathon, why should I wait one year to run a marathon? Hmm. You know what? I've never run before, but I know that I can achieve it. And I genuinely do believe that. And say, I want to, I want to run a marathon. I'm going to give myself three months to be able to do this thing from couch to marathon in three months because you know, time now <laughs> that patience thing, the Holy Spirit is still helping me. So I would say that and say in three months, this is what's going to happen by week one. I'm going to do this by week two. I'm going to do this. Now that's an example of a really high bar. Is it possible? Probably yes. However, what I've done by setting the bar so high is I've actually set myself up for failure or for what I call slip ups, which is what I'm going to talk about today, because the strength needs to be gradually built up to the point where I can then begin to run the same thing with a baby. A baby starts off not being able to even sit up, but it will come a time where that same baby grows into an adult that can walk, that can run, that can do all sorts, that can do all this endurance trails and all that but the baby does not come out of a womb being able to climb a wall if you are the kind of person that you don't give yourself enough time to be able to achieve the things that you know are possible so those things are possible but you must understand and value the use of time and the role that time plays so if you're that kind of person that you set a high bar you will experience a lot of slip-ups and that's what i'm going to talk about today i want to talk about how to get back on track i want to share with you strategies to bounce back after a slip-up because slip-ups depending on the kind of person that you are slip-ups are definitely a part of life but you will experience them in varying degrees. If there's someone that I've just described, someone like me where, well, the old me, <laughs> before the things that I've learned that I've also since applied to my life, but the natural tendency, the natural unrenewed mind allow me would set the bar really high. And of course I would end up failing and failing and failing and failing many times simply because I have not rightly divided what role time would play in that situation. So if you're someone like that, you will experience slip ups very frequently. On the other end of the spectrum is someone that is fairly chilled and laid back, but they still want to reach out for something. Anyone that wants to develop any kind of new routine or habit, at some point, something will happen. Okay. So I want to talk about slip ups today. We all experience slip ups, no matter who you are, no matter how organized you are, no matter how prepared you are, no matter how strong you are. Why? Because there's this thing that is called life. Okay. There is this thing called life and life happens. So we've experienced the way you're having a wonderful time with this new lifestyle habits when out of nowhere, a major change comes along to disrupt it. The major change could be something good and it could be something bad. It could be something good. Like, okay, you were working from home five days a week and 
because you were working from you had developed this routine where you get up in the morning you would pray and then you would go for a run and then you come back shower and all that then you would sit at a desk and then begin to work and lunchtime you go for a lovely stroll around the neighborhood and as a result of that your mental health has drastically improved you're enjoying your work a lot more you're fitter physically but then you get this promotion and because it's a strategic high level role they're saying do you know what you need to come in four days a week it's a good thing that's happened isn't it right it's a promotion it's what you've always wanted but that change will certainly disrupt the routines that you've put in place that are working very well for you and of course and of course the change can also be negative it could be something that comes into your life that is unwanted but comes regardless but you still need to deal with it and it comes to knock you off your feet for a little while sometimes what we're hoping is not permanently that is what i want to talk about today so that disruption throws you out of whack you struggle to get back on track but you fail again and again until the goal or the life that you were living that once looked beautiful or the goal that looked promising is all but abandoned like a is a distant wish now is now become a distant wish it doesn't have to be that way how do I know? I know because I used to be that. I used to be someone that would start a goal and would fail and fail and fail and fail. Why? Because I did not know how to manage slip-ups. Manage in the sense that to reduce them to the barest minimum and then when they do happen, not if, because they will happen, when they do happen to be able to get myself back on track immediately right? I've come a long way since then and I'm very happy and pleased and it's my pleasure and my privilege to be able to share these things with you because they actually do work. It doesn't have to be that way where you've spent six months working on developing a certain habit and then something happens. It could even be something like you go on holiday. (laughs) You go on holiday for a week and then you come back and it's like, to even get yourself to start this thing again, you just keep procrastinating, you keep postponing it. And before you know it, it's been two years since you did that thing. Do you see what I mean? So life does happen, but it doesn't need to be that way. You don't have to stay down when life knocks you down. You can get back up. And this is what I'm hoping this episode will do for you today to teach you or to remind you because we know these things sometimes of how to bounce back to get back on track after you have experienced a slip up so let me now get into the two parts I've divided this episode into two parts the first part is prevention is better than cure right (laughs) prevention is better than cure so remember what I said so I started by sharing my own story with you In the sense that if you have a lot of slip-ups along the way, there's only so many you can manage (laughs) and get back up from. Eh, eh, It's too much, all right? So you want to, first of all, prevent slip-ups. You want to put things in place that would help you manage and reduce possibilities or opportunities for slip-ups to a bare minimum so that when it does happen, it's one there or another one down the line or three months down the line, not almost every day, you're having to deal with some kind of crisis. So the first part, I'm going to talk about how to actually put safeguards in place, how to prevent yourself from falling off the proverbial wagon in the first place. And of course, 
the second part of the podcast of the episode, I'm going to talk about, okay, after you've fallen off the wagon, after you've experienced that slip up, how do you get back on track so that that goal or that life that you had prior to the slip up or the goal that you were pursuing prior to the slip up does not become abandoned so that you can get back on it as quickly as possible. So does that sound good? Let us get started. So I have three strategies that I want to share with you. And the first one to prevent you from falling off the wagon in the first place. Strategy number one is you must rightly interpret the seasons of your life and adapt to them. Remember what I said about myself, meal, seasons of life, core, seasons of life, me, like, who cares about seasons of life? If I want to achieve this thing, I will achieve it. And I would literally not give any kind of importance to maybe the fact that my life was really full at that point in time and adding this other goal was just not going to create the kind of outcomes that I wanted. I didn't want to hear it, but you can't live life like that. You cannot live like like that. Let me give you a very simple but graphic example. Someone that's literally just had a baby. They've just had a baby. I mean, I spend a little bit of time on Instagram every now and then, and I stumbled upon this video, and this woman, she was, she, <laughs> in the caption, is it caption or the thing, the whatever on the video, anyway. So the video pops up, and you could see this one from the back. So you couldn't really see that she was pregnant at first. From the back, she was, you know, doing all those weights and jumping up and down and doing all these things as a very vigorous exercise. And of course, then she turns around, to the camera and you could see that this woman had a huge bump. It wasn't like tiny bump or medium bump. Like she as in huge. And of course the caption now says nine months pregnant that literally that was the day that she gave birth and she was doing all these things and she was doing all these things. Now that is absolutely perfectly safe and she gives a bit more context before people come for her <laughs> because the internet is very vicious nowadays. I mean, the comments, I'll be reading comments, I'll be rolling. Like, how do people think like this? But anyway, I digress. So I knew she was doing that so that people would not come for her and say, how dare you be irresponsible, etc. She gave context and she said she's actually a gym instructor, a personal trainer. So she's always been fit. She was very fit, exercising rigorously before she got pregnant and all the way through her pregnancy. So the pregnancy was definitely safe. And she talked about how that day she was like, listen, this baby needs to come out. Uh, I think the baby must have been a week or two overdue. She was like, you know, now they tell you things like, I thought they were old wives tales, but apparently they're not. They say things like eat pepe, go and walk up and down the stairs just to make the baby a little bit uncomfortable to say, yeah, come on, come on, come on. She, she was at that point. She had already gone past her due date by probably a week or so or two weeks. And she was like, this baby, oh yeah, let me go and do one big final exercise so that it can come out. And of course, she then showed the picture of the baby, perfectly healthy baby. Now, why did I tell you all that? I shared that story because that same person that same person, even this is an extreme case. This is someone that is extremely fit. Most people, 99% of people will not fit into that category where when they're nine months pregnant, they're still able to lift as in big weight. So not like one small dumbbell, like stuff like that. Most people don't even fit into that category, but even someone that is that fit 
definitely for the first week, the day she gave birth, she's not going to put that baby down and say, okay, I'm going to the gym. Definitely not. Even if she didn't have cesarean, even if she had natural birth and she, everything was fine by the end of the day, discharged to go home, she's not going to go back and say, okay, I'm leaving this baby. I'm heading to the gym to go and do the same kind of exercise that she was doing the day before when she wanted the baby to come. No matter how fit she is. So you must put the season of your life into context. You have to. Whenever you're reaching, you have to understand that seasons change. And each season has its own requirements, has its own considerations. Every season has its own demands and also benefits that it comes to release into your life. Every season has its own privileges that it brings into your life. Do you see what I mean? So you must, to prevent slip-ups, frequent slip-ups in the first place, you must understand the seasons of your life. You must understand the seasons of your life. I see women that come to me because of the nature of work that I do and they would ask me questions like, oh, I've not been praying. And, like, and I would ask them, the first thing I ask them is tell me about what is going on in your life at the moment. Because yes, are we supposed to be praying without season? Yes. Because the Bible says that and there is merit in praying and maintaining that open line of communication with your father, which is why we pray in the first place. Right? But the first thing I ask them is tell me about what's going on in your life. And Honestly, I cannot tell you the number of times, <laughs> the number of times I first say, well, I had a baby two months ago and before I had a baby, I'll get up at 4am and I'll pray for like three hours and all those things. And, you know, I was able to do the, I'm like, auntie, your season has changed temporarily, temporarily, right? Because if you don't take into account the impact of the new season, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to feel like you have failed because you couldn't uphold what the old season afforded you to be able to do. So you're going to feel like you failed and that feeling of failure will make you actually abandon anything else you could have done. So someone that would have said, oh, before I gave birth to my baby, I would have gone to the gym every day and worked out for two hours. Then they have their baby and they're feeling quite bad and depressed like, oh, I can't go to the gym. The baby wakes up and blah and all those things. Because they're still holding on to the, I must go to the gym for two hours every day, which the old season afforded them. Guess what happens? They feel bad. They feel like they failed. And they forget that you can actually download an app and do 15 minutes every day for now. Until you then enter into a new season, which may be three months down the line where the baby is strong enough or whatever it is, or you can take the baby and whatever, go to the gym, put the baby in a, I don't know. But whatever this new season is asking of you, you have to be willing to adapt to it. You will increase your failure rates or giving up rates or slip up rates or quit rates if you mismanage your seasons based on unrealistic expectations. That's the first way to prevent slip ups in the first place. So you must understand. You say, okay, at this point in time, I used to be able to run proverbially as a metaphor. I used to be able to run six months ago, but then something happened. My season changed. Instead of stopping altogether and rolling in guilt and condemnation, what can I do? Okay, I can't run. I'm going to walk. This season demands that 
do you know what? You can only walk. I don't want to stop altogether. If I try to run, I'm going to keep hitting a wall. I'm going to keep falling on my face because the season just does not afford me that opportunity. And if another season comes, if I can't walk, I'm going to crawl. But the most important thing is do not stop. But if you insist that it has to be running, I must run, I must run. Even though the season does not give you room to do that, you're going to stop. You're going to stop. Okay, let's move on to the second strategy to prevent slip-ups in the first place. And that is to prepare adequately for when opportunities to slip up show up. So put safeguards in place. So first one would help you minimize the number of slip-ups. But remember what I said, things will still happen. Things will still happen. So if you know some things will happen and they will be unexpected, right? But if we're being honest, those unexpected intrusions into our lives are not as frequent and not as many as we like to think. You say, oh, I didn't know that I was going to end up going to that restaurant. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to blow all the work I've been doing and eat all the sugar. And eat all the... You knew you were going to the restaurant right? He said, it's not like, oh, when I got there, then I saw it. And then my friend said, no. All right. (laughs) Actually, the things that happen to us unexpectedly are few and far in between. A lot of the things we call, we sort of know they're coming. It's a lack of preparation that makes those things catch us of God. It's a lack of preparation. Some things generally will come into your life unexpectedly. You did not see it coming. But the point I'm making is those things are very few. So plan in advance. Plan in advance. If the person knows that, okay, I want to make sure that after I've had my baby, I want to remain fit. They know that once this baby comes, some things would have to change. I may not be able to go to the gym every day anymore. What can I do? They would prepare and say, right, for the first three weeks, I'm just going to do pelvic, what do they call that thing? Floor pelvic exercises or just gentle walking or whatever it is. You prepare, you map out a plan to say, this is how I'm going to manage this intrusion, good or bad, that is coming into my life. So prepare for slip-ups along the way. If you know, if you know that every time you go into a certain environment, you get so irritated that you begin to argue and you fall out of the place of peace, you prepare in advance. You could say, I'm not going there. Or if you have to go there, you prepare in advance. As you're walking in, you're muttering under your breath, saying, in the name of Jesus, I hold my peace. I control my tongue. Nobody can get to me. I have authority over what I think, what I... You can prepare in advance. Don't allow things to just come into your life that you could have prevented or prepared for in advance. That's the second one to prevent slip-ups. And the third one is to reorientate your mind to see slip-ups as adding spice and variety to life. So this one is probably quite hard to accept because people automatically associate slip-ups with some kind of failure, with a negative thing. We're very quick to assign like fear and all these things to, oh, what if I fall off the wagon? What if I slip up? Listen, 
it is part of the spice of life. If you see it as part of the enjoyment of life, like, do you know what? Okay, I knew that I had planned that this was going to be my meal plan. This is what I'm going to eat. And then something happened. Okay, I slipped up. They brought this cake that I was not supposed to eat. I saw it. I'm like, do you know what? Meal, I am choosing to eat this cake. There's nothing anybody saying. I am eating this delicious, yummy, moist chocolate cake. And you have a slice and you eat it. Now, this is what I'm saying. That was a slip up because you didn't plan to do it. Okay. It was not part of the plan. You were not supposed to be eating chocolate cakes as part of your meal plan, but you did it. You have two choices after eating the cake. In fact, not even after. Some people don't even wait until they finish eating the cake. As they're eating the cake, they're already under severe guilt. A condemnation like, I mean, this guy, and they can't even enjoy the cake. Alright, the first category, which is where a lot of people fall into, you're not even enjoying the cake, you're just eating it, but you won't stop because you're like, I must eat this cake, no matter what anybody says. So you are eating the cake, you are not enjoying it, you finish the cake, and then the guilt now gets ramped up. Hey, I ruined it to come and see what has happened and all those things. And the person feels guilty. They look at you and say, I have failed, and they just spiral. They spiral into this deep dark hole that 15 days later, they still haven't gone back to doing any kind of exercise or eating any kind of healthy food. They spiraled because they saw it as a failure. Now, the second category of people will do this. They say, I choose, I choose to eat this cake and I will enjoy this cake. Do you know what? One cake is not going to kill me. Every now and then, myself, I can enjoy life. And they sit down and they savor it every bite. It's like, mm, this cake is so delicious. And they savor it. They enjoy it. And once they're done, they're like, that was wonderful. That was lovely. Back on track. Now, which one, which would you prefer? It's obviously the second one. The spice of life. Do you see what I mean? Now, remember, of course, of course, that kind of, you know, second category, the reason why people fear that is, the reason why they feel like they need to beat themselves on the head is, oh, what if another cake comes in five minutes time? Would I say, no, you put safeguards in place, you put safeguards in place to prevent the slip up in the first place. Your safeguards must be strong and they must be structured. However, if you blow past all the safeguards, and you drive through all the barriers and you still end up slipping up. Uh, listen, just take it as it's, it has happened. The spice of life. It's okay. I was supposed to go on my walk and then I decided to sit down and watch Netflix. Enjoy the movie. Enjoy it well. And say, aha, it was time well spent. Tomorrow I'm back on my walk. Or after watching the movie, go on your walk. Do you see what I mean? It's a very small shift in thinking, but the rewards are phenomenal because it means that you will not see that thing as a failure that has come to destroy you. You just mistake it as, do you know what? It happened. Let's dust ourselves up and let's move on. One beautiful person that did it so well in the Bible was David. 
oh my goodness, David could move on. Like, do you know what? Okay, so I slept with Bathsheba, she got pregnant, then I killed her husband, and then we gave birth to the baby, and then the baby died, and people thought David would collapse. They thought that this huge, massive thing that David did, that he would never be the same again, that he would never be able to recover from this. Now, David had repented, so it's not like he'll say, oh, okay, I'm going to go and find another Bathsheba to marry Peter. No, he had realized that this is wrong. I will never do this again. I put the proper safeguards in place. But what we're saying is after you have put the right safeguards in place, you understand that I am not doing this again, but the thing has happened. How do you move on from that? You're supposed to say, do you know what? So when the news came that the child of Bathsheba had died, David got up, went to have his bath, anointed himself. So basically put cream on his body, <laughs> sat down and had a nice meal. And his subjects were like, this guy not well, oh, he not well. Something did wrong with this guy. He's not, there's something wrong with him. When the child was sick, when, you know, he was fasting, he wouldn't eat, he didn't bathe, nothing. But once he was like, do you know, has it happened? It's happened now, okay, fine. God has forgiven me, let's move on. And he was able to move on. And because, this, this is so powerful, because he was able to move on so quickly, Solomon came out of that. I don't know if it was the same day or a couple of days later. He slept with Bathsheba and Solomon came out of that. So a lot of us are throwing Solomon away because we are insistent on camping at the dead baby's grave. You have to learn to move on. Reorientate your mind. These things happen. I didn't want it to happen, but it's happened. So I'm going to move on. Okay. So let's now go on to how do you actually get back on track when you have falling off the wagon? And I have, let's say one, two, three, four strategies for you. These things work. I'm not telling you theory. I'm telling you things that listen for years I have practiced. And that is why I <laughs> I am a well-adjusted human being today. The allow me that comes and shares all these things, the life I'm living today, there was a time in my life where all these things was a very distant wish because I just did not have the right mindset. I just did not engage with life the way I should have. And my situation, the things going on in my life were very much reflective of that. Right. So I'm not sharing with you things that I've just gone to pick. Somebody told me, ah, this one. And then I'm, no, 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 no. These are things that I'm having to practice till today. Do you see what I mean? And that's why I know that they work. So practice these things because they work. So when you do experience that slip up, when you fall off the wagon, we don't want you to stay there. We want you to spend minimum amount of time of that wagon, you get back on as soon as possible. And I have four strategies for you. The first strategy is always with the mind. It starts with the mind. The first thing you must do is to do a mindset reset. And for me, that consists of three things. Three things in my mindset reset when I've experienced some kind of slip up, all right? Number one is you must receive forgiveness, receive mercy. Understand that you are not the first person to slip up. You will not be the last person to slip up. Understand that this was not the first time you will slip up. And this is probably not the last time you slip up. You may not slip up in that thing again. So if it's like a major thing, like what David did, 
But David was still sleep up. David still slipped up after that. He still did things that God was like, this man, this David. <laughs> Do you understand that? It's not like after that, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm holy 100%. I'll never... No, the guy still did some funny things. So it's not going to be the last time. And more importantly, or most importantly, Jesus Christ has already paid for every one of your slip up. Did you think he only just paid for, oh, for you to be born again? It says sin. Sin is sin. Any kind of slip up, no matter what great it is, no matter what the gravity of that sin is, no matter what the gravity of that slip up is. So if you gave your word and you say, okay, I'm going to do this at this particular time, then you don't do it. Instead of going under guilt and condemnation and becoming buried under this muck that satan wants to put upon us do you know what you should do you should go to jesus and receive forgiveness that has already been made available his mercy has already been poured out to us in abundance because he shed his blood for us right notice that i'm not even limiting it to quote and unquote what we call sin to sin means to miss the mark so whatever mark has been set even if you set that mark for yourself and you fall short of it and you will which is why Jesus anticipated and gave you his blood, his mercy in response to that, in anticipation of that. Just go and receive mercy. Say, ah, do you know what? Father, I receive mercy. I receive forgiveness. You must forgive yourself. You have to receive forgiveness. God is not disappointed with you. So where are those feelings of disappointment coming from? Where are they coming from? It's not from God. And that is the person that basically owns your life. That is the person that should mean the most to you. So what God thinks should be the most important thing to you. And if he's not disappointed, if he's not looking at you like this one is just hopeless. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like, you know, you can look at your life and think, God is just looking at this one and saying, like, like this, this was my child, this was not my childhood. Very hopeless human being like that. We will say, do this. Before tomorrow has passed, she has broken the thing. I'm telling you. And these are things that had me buried for so many years of my life. All right. But I don't regret it because the reason why I can sit here and share these things with you is because I went through those things and I was able to come out of it by the grace of God. Do you see what I mean? So receive forgiveness. Even if it's something as mundane as you ate a piece of cake. Don't labor under guilt and condemnation. Listen, that is Satan wanting to eat your blunt and pop the bag right basically he wants to scatter your life is what i'm trying to say that is literally purely satan at work there's no other explanation for it receive forgiveness say do you know what okay i did it to ah god i received mercy and i received grace to help me the next time this temptation to break my word comes he's not what the bible says in hebrews it says approach the throne of grace boldly confidently to do what first thing is to obtain mercy the first thing available to you as you enter into the presence of god is not do this do this why didn't you do this it's not him admonishing you it's not him judging you it's not him telling you off it's not even him giving you instructions it's literally receive mercy 
And then when you receive mercy, it says to now find grace to help in the time of need. So you, you open up yourself and say, Holy Spirit, help me at the point of temptation to be able to resist and say no so I can keep my word to myself, so I can hold on to my personal integrity. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, being tempted in all things was without sin. He walked as a man on this earth so that he could truly have empathy, so that he could know our frame. Because it, it was kind of easy for God to be saying, all those Old Testament laws, can't you see that after Jesus came, everything changed? Say, oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. When Jesus said that came, hey, so say, eh? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Hey, this is eh? That's all we know. Ah, let us rewrite these things. Let us go and rewrite. Eh? This thing that we're telling them to do. Ah, no, 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 no. There's nobody that can carry it. And the Bible, I'm not just talking. You know, I'm a student of the Bible. Paul says in Romans that the purpose of the law was to demonstrate that you cannot do anything by yourself as a human being without God. I'm just saying it in a sort of relaxed, chill way, but I'm quoting Bible to you. So what am I saying? I'm saying Jesus knows your frame. He understands. He knows that the reason why you keep falling at that hurdle is because you don't yet have the strength. And he's not coming to bash you on the head for not having the strength. He wants to come and help you gain the strength to overcome that hurdle so that you can then go and help somebody else overcome the hurdle. Do you see? So that's the first one in terms of doing a mindset reset. The second mindset reset is reaffirm the belief that you are powerful because if you keep slipping up, if you keep expressing failure, do you know what that teaches your identity? Do you know what is trying to ingrain into you subconsciously that you are powerless, that you are powerless against this thing that you keep slipping up at, that you are powerless against sleep. You say, I just want to wake up to pray. I just want to wake up to pray. <laughs> but then you set your alarm, you will snooze the thing fine or dead. You even hear the alarm. What that is doing is it is teaching you to believe that you are powerless against sleep and against your duvet and against your bed. Right? That you're powerless. It's not true. It's not true because the creator and the possessor of the heavens and the earth dwells inside you. He said, Christ is the wisdom. Christ is the power of God. And in him, everything that is in Christ is in you because he's in you. So you are not powerless. So you have to look that thing in the face and say, do you know what? Yes, so I feel though, but I'm not powerless against you. I will conquer you one of these days. I will overcome you one of these days. My strength is building. And very soon I will get to the point where I'm stronger than you. I am not powerless. So refute that, reject the suggestion that you are powerless. That's the second one. You have to literally do it. You have to look that habit or that thing in the face and say, no, no, I have the power to choose how I respond to anything in my life. And I choose to do this. And of course, the third one is to root out the fear of failure. Fear of failure is different from feeling powerless. Fear of failure is if you slip up, it sort of suggests that no matter what you do, you will not get to the end. Didn't you lose that amount of weight how many years ago? You lost it now, but in two months you gained everything back. That is fear of failure, that the outcome will not be, not that you can't conquer the thing because powerlessness is you cannot even ever lose the weight. 
Yes. The other one, which is fear of failure, says that outcome you want is beyond you no matter what you do. So you must speak to that thing because God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear. So you must speak to it. You must say, in the name of Jesus, God has given the power. He has given me the spirit of self-control and self-discipline. I can choose what I do. I can choose what I say. And I know that at the end of this, I have absolute victory. You have to speak back to it and say, I will succeed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because that fear of failure would then suggest to the person that, do you know what, don't even bother again. Don't bother again because you're not going to get there anyway. No, you have to push back. You have to push back. So that's the first strategy to get back. You have to do a mindset reset. You don't just launch back out there. All right, especially if it was a big slipper, you do a mindset reset. The second one is locate your current state and start from there. Going back to what I was saying about seasons, you have to rightly understand and interpret where you are at that point in time. So if it was just a temporary one minute slip up or one day slip up. So you have this routine of, let's say you always go to the gym or always wake up to pray and all those kind of things. But then one particular day, you don't do it. Now that's just one day. That's just once. You're still at the same level of strength as you were yesterday. Assuming that the seasons of your life are still the same. So it's not like somebody went and had a baby today. So um, that's not what I mean. Everything, standard temperature and pressure, everything else is still normal. Everything else is still the same. But then something interrupted you and then you didn't get to go to the gym or you ended up eating what you shouldn't have eaten, etc., etc. That's just one slip up. You're still at the same strength as you were before the slip up yesterday. That one does get straight back on it, right? Because your strength is the same. The next opportunity you have to go for that walk, to go to the gym, to eat right, you do it. You do it. You take the opportunity. However, if the slip up <laughs> is the kind that is always slip up again, you have built a bedroom, you've put a comfortable bed <laughs> at the point of slip up. And listen, you are very comfortable. There's been months since you did the thing. You're not saying, ah, I heard this podcast. Allow me say, get back on it. You're not saying, eh, okay, so I used to run. 20 miles <laughs> every day, but then I'm not even walking now. Ah, did I allow myself to get to this one? Okay, I'm going to go and get my trainers and I'm going out to run 20 miles. You're yeah, setting yourself up for failure. It does not work like that. So what I'm saying is the second strategy is to locate where you currently are. Estimate brutally what your strength is in this new place that you found yourself. So you may need to dial things back a little bit so that you can re-enter the game at this new level of strength that you have. Because doing otherwise, you are honestly setting yourself up for failure. You are. Let's use the developmental stage of a child to explain. A newborn baby just eats and sleeps. Does other things like poops, yeah? A six-month baby will probably be sitting up wanting to start crawling. A one-year-old baby will want to start walking and so on. But if you were at the stage of full-grown adult when you fell off, you may be back at baby stage if it was a prolonged absence. Prolonged absence. So what you need to do is if I was at full adult stage, 
but because of prolonged absence all the muscles have atrophied you know metaphorically and i'm almost like a baby again you go back and start from the baby stage and you say okay i haven't even done any kind of walking or exercise or anything in two years i'm going to start with a five minute walk even though two years ago you were running 20 miles you start from where you are you must start from where you are and then you build up that's the quickest way to get back into the groove of things if you can't bite your teeth that it must be 20 miles it won't happen if i can even damage something and that will even make it worse so that is the second strategy locate your current state and start from there the third strategy is and this one works beautifully it works so well for me <laughs> it never lets me down this particular strategy never ever lets me down and the strategy is to go from passive to active to go from passive to active so you want to get back into engaging so i've used different types of examples i'm going to stick with exercise and and those kind of things so let's say someone says oh pandemic came and it wiped out all my motivation to go to the gym but i want to get back into going into the gym but you look at yourself you've been trying to go back to the gym for a pandemic <laughs> we can't even use pandemic again like Everything opened up in like 2021, right? This is 2023. So for two years, he will say, oh, I'll go back to the gym again. And it hasn't happened. If it hasn't happened, your strength is really low. So you may want to start with passive engagement and that will then build you up to active engagement. So what do I mean? So passive engagement could be, you don't underestimate this thing I'm about to tell you. Say, ah, why is that helping me? Hey, it has helped me. It has helped many of my clients that I coach and mentor, okay? Passive is, you just start watching YouTube videos of people going to the gym. It's doing something to you. It's reminding you of, ah, and this is you. The motivation, it inspires you. Just surround yourself. In fact, you don't even need to work that hard again. This social media age. Just watch one video. That thing annoys me. <laughs> Just press play or whatever. Or stop scrolling on a particular video and watch it. Even for three seconds, your whole feed will be flooded with that thing. So I'm saying you don't even need to work too hard. Go on Instagram and just watch one video of all those people that that doing this and doing that and <laughs> and lifting this and jumping this and and just watch one they will flood your timeline <laughs> with more of that so just start exposing yourself start exposing yourself to it. keep watching it you'll find if you keep watching it right that in a day in two days in a week you're like wow the desire starts to stir because whatever you focus on stirs your desire it's as simple as that Eve was looking at it. Said the more she looked <laughs> at the fruit, she was like, ah, this thing. She was, was it not there before? But when she fixed her gaze on it, she said, ah, this thing is good for food and it is beautiful and it will make me wise. And then when she went and chopped the thing and put all of us in trouble, if not for Jesus. So whatever is going in, especially through your eye gates, has a huge impact on your feelings you notice that you start feeling more and more like, oh, I want to go to the gym. It will start stirring the desire. So that is going from passive. You have not gone to the gym. You have not even gone outside to walk for two seconds. 
You may now look at, I think I want to get new gear. It's still passive. You go online and you order new gear. Then if you keep exposing yourself, keep engaging in it passively, you'll get to the point where you do now take action. You now say, okay, let me even go and see, check out, you know, book a free class in one of the gyms and so on and so forth. Before you know it, you are back in full swing. It works. It works. It works. There's no denying it. It works 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 all the time without fail in fact it works for spiritual things so i was like oh but i've not been praying i have not prayed i can't even bring myself to pray i have no desire to pray for someone like that you now want to go and force them and say hey just set your alarm now just set your alarm and just pray for an hour i say yam like that the desire is gone i say they're at the point where the desire for spiritual things personal prayer is minus 20. And you just want them to use willpower. They may use willpower, but it will not last. So I tell somebody like that, you need to start from passive and then grow into active engagement. Active engagement, obviously, would be you're praying for as ever, however long you want to pray for every day. And you're enjoying that sweet, rich fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But passive would be you start listening to certain messages that talk about prayer, about the power of prayer, how important prayer is. You can join online prayers, but I don't get this wrong because people join online prayers and it's not actually inspiring them to have their own personal prayer. So I'm not talking about just join copy prayers and be content with that. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about you specifically pick content that will inspire you to want to pray personally, to have your own personal prayer life. So go and look for a series, a teaching series on why you should have your personal prayer life. You shouldn't only rely on corporate prayer and keep listening to it and keep listening to it. It is feeding you with strength to be able to get up one day and say, uh-uh, uh, why am I not even praying Seth? And then you start putting things in place. So you go from completely passive. Then if you follow the last step that I talked about, which is start from where you are, you can say, okay, I'm going to wake up and do five minutes of praise and worship. And that will be all for one week. I'm just going to do that consistently. Then I'm going to add and then keep expanding until it's an hour. We actually have that program in Saul. People that come into Saul that haven't prayed for years, Within 14 days, they're praying and they're loving their prayer life. They're praying for an hour, waking early to pray. Not corporate prayer, their own personal prayer, personal. Because we have a structure. We have things, we start with this, start with this, start with this. And there's also the mindset work that we do as well. So go from passive to active. It always works. Trust me, it always works. And the final strategy to get back on as soon as possible when you fall off the wagon is this one, you can't really get past it. And I'm actually coming up with an episode very soon dedicated to this one point that I want to talk about, which is push through the hard places. You just have to become the person that pushes through things when it becomes hard, right? Because you've slipped up your strength is reduced. You're not at the point where the thing is easy and it's flowing. You're not trying to get back up. It's going to be a bit hard at first, but you can't give up simply because it's hard. You can't quit simply because it's difficult because there's coming a time where you will hit that breakthrough in that situation and literally things become easy. You must be the kind of person that is willing to do hard things. 
push through. Tell yourself, I do hard things. This is not talking about living in toil. If you listen to me for five minutes on this podcast, you know that I hate toil. I hate hustle. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, that this thing that is in front of me, I need to push through it in order to get to this better life that I desire or this new habit or routine that I desire. You will push through it. You are not powerless. You are not weak. The power of God inside you is strong. It can get you through anything. So instead of quitting when things become difficult, push through, push through, push through. In fact, I can use this example because it still happened to me today. So I go on a walk daily. I love walking and I live in an area, (laughs) I live in an area that is just surrounded by hills. I love it. It's a beautiful area. I love where I live, but it is very hilly. Yes. And (laughs) I like prior to now, maybe like two years ago, I would be scouting for, <laughs> I'll be scouting for ways to do my 4k, 5k walk and avoid hills. Like it's not me and you, this hill, no. And it's not like tiny hills where it's just like a slow, like almost vertical. I'm not exaggerating. Like almost vertical. Like God, what's going on here? So I'll be like, okay, if I turn this way, if I go down the street, I can largely stay on the flatlands. But then I, like, late last year, I was like, what are you doing? Allow me, you do hard things. You do hard things. You eat hard things for breakfast. (laughs) So I said, you know, I will conquer this hill. It's in me to conquer you. And I decided that I'm going to start doing the hill. 5K, uphill. Well, it's not completely uphill, but there's a part, a significant part that is uphill. And before I would get there and turn back and then go and find other ways to complete my 4K or 5K and then go home, right? But I said, no, I'm going to navigate this hill and I'm going to conquer it. Now I'm at the point where, listen, as I begin to climb the hill, let's, let's, this is what I mean by pushing through. Once, you know, you're walking and I walk quite quickly. So it's a brisk walk. As I get to the point of where the hill, and I said, it's a very steep one. It's not like gentle, it's steep. So as I, maybe the first minute into climbing the hill, like, ah, this is hard. Because your body automatically understands that something has changed. The intensity has changed. And I feel like, oh, it's, it's a bit hard. But then I realized that another minute in, it's not hard anymore. In fact, I accelerate. I accelerate. So I've pushed through the initial, let me tell you what that thing is. When you face hard things, it is your body revolting and rebelling. I say, no, 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 no. It's the flesh. The flesh is like, no, no, no. Yo, what are we doing? No, no, no. The intensity has changed. Go back, go back, go back. If you can push through that, if you can push through that, it becomes easy. If I push through that first minute and a half, two minutes uphill, what then happens is I then increase my pace like i'm walking like this literally all the way to the top and i can see it and i'm like wow i'm i'm actually doing it and i'm enjoying it and i do this daily this is what i mean so it's the same thing someone says well, i'm supposed to go and write the report you know i gave my word that i'm going to do this but then something else is calling your name is your flesh but you are not your flesh <laughs> You are a spirit being. You can choose to dominate that appetite and say no. And say no. 
and go and do something else, distract yourself with something else, you realize that why do I even want to drink that thing in the first place? Why do I even want to eat that thing in the first place? Or why do I even want to waste time doing that in the first place? So push through. Be the person that pushes through the hard places. Don't quit. Don't quit. Because you're going to have slip-ups. That slip-up that you had the last time was not the last. There will be others. And to push through your slip-ups, you must be the kind of person that is able to push through the hard places. Okay? And that, (laughs) that is what I've come to share with you today. Getting back on track. Strategies to bounce back after a slip-up. This is Allow Me Brigway. I hope that's helped you and I'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.